good-looking beard. There's nothing like a man with a good-looking beard. Hello, welcome to Behind the Beard, WNC. So this is a podcast where three friends in Western North Carolina gather on occasion to sound off on various topics that interest us. Uh, the idea came about to entertain ourselves, and we hope you like it as well. My name is Patrick Pohl. I'm joined by Lewis and Mike Anderson. No relation to my knowledge. We share a lot of things in common, and nothing more so than our fine beards. I have a goatee. Lewis and Mike wear beards that would fit nicely into cast members in the movie Braveheart. In fact, if we gave them kilts, broadswords, and the right amount of whiskey, they could take Old Fort, I think, in a contest. <laughs> Today we have quite a lineup of topics. Mike brought a friend to talk about travel baseball, and I'll let Mike do the introductions in just a minute. After that, we'll discuss the recent news of North Carolina high school athletics taking a step to move to a seven-level classification system. Then a bridge off last podcast as we look at the journey to college football. My family certainly has a rising senior that wishes to make this jump. Lewis and Mike both have rising juniors who may be on this path as well. We will talk about that journey and what we've been learning along the way. And lastly, the grilling topic last time was pretty well received. So we'll banter about some additional additional summer fun. Lewis, it's great to see you again, my friend. Did you sleep in your truck last night, or did you just have a rough night? I mainly slept on the park bench. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, that's where we ended up. It was good, it was a good experience, though. Good temperature last night. Well, good. I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed that. Well, you went to the uh, the brawl I heard uh, this weekend. That's why I bring that up. Yeah, out there at Waynesville, it was the rough and tough tumble, whatever it was. It was uh, it was a bunch of rednecks in an aluminum building fighting each other. So you fit right in. It was great. It was great <laughs> entertainment. Uh, some people come prepared to fight. Many did not. There was one match where a Cherokee guy did not throw a punch the whole time he was in the ring, and he got the brakes beat off of him. It was, Ow. It was glorious. Wow. Well, what else have you done since the last time we had a podcast, Lewis? Uh, I've mostly umpiring. Been at the baseball field about five days a week, uh, watching Steven play as well. Uh, that's pretty much it. How about you, Pat? Well, you know, I've been on the road quite a bit, as we'll allude to later in the podcast, getting things, um, trying to figure out this college situation. It's a lot different than the old days when I made VHS tapes and sent them to like three schools in the mid-1980s. It's a much different game now. Carson, so. do you even know what a VHS tape is? I do. Okay. I do. I do. Um, had a, quite a few uh, favorite movies that were the VHS, um, although I don't think I've got a box of them, and I don't think they're even usable anymore. Uh, so, Pat, one thing that I think you will like to know, in Oteen they're installing a new Bo- Bojangles. Oh, well, you know I'll have to frequent that establishment. Right. I have quite an affinity for the parking lot banter of Bojangles. <laughs> oh, Mike, what have you been up to? You know, the same as uh, Lewis, doing a little umpiring and uh, some racing. I get to see your shining face four nights a week now. I know. I'm sure you enjoy it. Yep. As do the coaches that love me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh. Um, the the strange voice you heard was, uh, in fact, Carson Jones. Uh, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Carson. He's a Western North Carolina standout in baseball. Carson, what year did you graduate high school? 2014 10-year reunion is coming up 10-year reunion pat can you even remember your 10-year reunion no no 
So Carson went to high school. He started at Reynolds, ended up at North Buckham. Uh, he was a three-time All-Mac Conference first team, two-time first team All-Western North Carolina. From there, he went on to Appalachian State, where he played a year, and then went on to Lander University. Uh, he's the only player in Lander school history to have three consecutive seasons of 10 or more home runs. And, Lewis, he's the all-time career home run leader for Lander. Very impressive. I mean, it, I'm, I've never heard of Landrum before, but if you hold a hitting record or any record around there, very impressive. Something else about Carson, his brother also pitched at Lander University, and his father played college football at Eastern Illinois. Was this your older brother? Yes, sir. Older brother, uh, Reynolds graduate, 2010, uh, left-handed pitcher. Uh, he, he also went to two different schools. He started out at Lenore Ryan University and then transferred to Lander University. Did he ever call you up like, hey, you're really bringing down the name of this program? No, no, he actually, uh, he actually, he actually did not. He, um, he, you know, he was a pitcher left-handed, and those people are kind of different anyways. And so, uh, so I'm left-handed. <laughs> he said what he said. Exactly what I meant. Um, but no, we had, we had one instant where we had a deep playoff run at North Buncombe, and we actually brought Ryan, my older brother, back. And we were facing a lefty um, in the next round. So we had Ryan come and pitch to our team. Um, so I've gotten one career at bat off of Ryan, and I've gotten one career hit. So I'm one nice. for one, and I will uh, probably take that to the grave with me. Do you bring that up at family reunions and such? Often, yes. Yeah. Yes, often. Um, he's lucky I didn't elevate it. It was a ground ball back up the middle. <laughs> um, but I told him if I, you know, if it would have been elevated, it, we would not have seen the ball again. But um, it was a four, you know, four to eight bouncer up the middle that I beat out at first base. Nice. nice. Now, did he, he pitched in the – did I read that he pitched in the College World Series? He did. He did. He um, he had a, you know, very good, successful college career. He just was a lefty that was mid-80s, 85, 87 miles an hour, threw strikes, got ahead, um, was never really a prospect for the next level after college. But um, I think he was 11-0 and 0 his senior year at Lander, so he's one of those. I think he – He's either tied or got the career wins uh, for a single season. So it's one of those that he, he as well as in the record books down at Lander, we're just in, you know, different sides of things. Gotcha. And so what are you doing now? You're doing a little coaching now, right? Doing a little coaching um, at the high school very close by, uh, Inca High School. I help out um, Coach Todd Griffin. He uh, as well went to North Buncombe High School, coached North Buncombe for five years. The Inca job opened up, and he has been the Inca coach. This is his fifth year at Inca. So Todd's a very dear and close friend of mine, um, and I'll support him and be wherever he's at. Nice. Uh, before we really get started, can you tell me a little bit about your experience getting here today? So as they, you guys have alluded to in, you know, pre, in two of the previous podcasts about kind of the bunker that you guys record in and, you know, Pat's house, um, it's Agony. just – absolutely an honor to be here and to be let through the gates just to give the listeners something um you know visual imagine getting through security to sit in the oval office oh my god it's very close i mean i was prepared for the retina scan i was prepared for everything but the the background check did throw me off that i had to submit a formal background check to get into the community here at inca lake um but you know it's one of those everything came out clear 
Um, thankfully, I've got good attorneys. I got stuff off of my uh, record, and now I'm sitting at the table with. You're, with you're ridiculous. <laughs> all of you are awful people. Uh, awful. And, and we all knew that was coming, just so you know. Except uh, me. Except Pat. Pat does have one question for you before we get started here. Okay, we asked this of everybody, Carson. I'm sure if you've listened before, you know what's coming. But what was the defining music album of your high school? I guess your high school career. I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Kids by Mac Miller. Yeah, I don't even know what that Do is. Do you know who that is, Lewis? I, I know Mac Miller. I don't know that song though. Okay. The album or album? Is it yeah. an album? It album. is. I have no idea. What He's that so is. young. I have kids. That was like last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not. I'm young, maybe relative to you guys, but I, my body, I get sore after playing 18 holes, and I play slow pitch softball. So, what's funny? Tell me is, all about it. What's funny is there's about 10 year age gap between all of us, because I graduated '04, Mike was '94, and then I was class of '88 in high school. Eight, so there's almost 10, 10 years. years. It's pretty cool. Very good. I'm old. No arguments here. So uh, the reason we kind of brought Carson in. Uh, obviously, he played baseball throughout his youth. Uh, played uh, He played some rec league. He played some travel ball. He's seeing what it looks like at the high school level now. H- how's Inca doing this year? Inca's doing okay. I would say, um, you know, relative to Coach Griffin and my standards, we would like to have gotten off to a better start. But as you guys have mentioned in, you know, previous, that when you play top-tier competition, you know, if you're not ready every single night – so we went through a little, uh, we call it a little gauntlet at the beginning. We played Asheville twice, Robertson twice, Kings Mountain and West Henderson, which are, you know, four of the better programs on this side of the state. Um, but we, you know, April 1st, we told our kids that we just wanted to be ready to go for April and we wanted to be peaking at the right time. And we're on a little, we've got on a little heater right now. And so we uh, played North Buncombe. We beat our alumni this past week. We won two games against them. We are now basically control our own destiny destiny to you know host a home playoff game so we uh you know we're we like where we're at and we're just uh you know we're got to keep getting better keep playing um throwing strikes you know putting balls in play quality of bats and everything along those lines but we're excited to uh, have the opportunity to be back in the state playoffs so would you say you're in first in the 3a portion of the mac yes we are we're in first in the 3a portion of the mac um, we, you know, every game that we have, we've got non-conference next week, and then we finish it off with Irwin. And if we, I think if we beat Irwin once, um, then we definitely will host a home playoff game. Um, but it's one of those on any given night, Irwin can, you know, Irwin beat us last year, um, one of the games. And so we just want to be ready. We've told all of our kids that basically um, that everything from here on out, we got to take it as serious as, you know, a playoff game. So we just, that's where we're at. So as long as you don't screw the pooch in two weeks, you'll be good. We're, we'll be good. And so, you know, for Inca to be in the playoffs, I think with what Coach Griffin came into five years ago, I think his first year they were 1-20 was his first year. Ooh. And so uh, last year with them hosting two home playoff games, I think that's a testament to what Todd's done over there. Um, but also, you know, he'll he'll be the first to tell you it's the kids. The We've got two players going to college that we can talk about later, but we got one going to UNCA that also lives in the private – Inca Lake community as well, um, and so I know the family well. They're very nice people. They're very, and they do not have retinal scans to get in their house. No, that's on the different side of the lake. It's the other side. Okay. Yes, 
Um, but Pat he, used to be a coach in the Ink area. He was a youth league football coach. Okay, I've heard. Good so he things. knows some yeah, of those yeah. kids. I've heard good things. But we've got also got a kid going to Mars Hill. So we've got you know Division one kid and a Division two kid, and I think both of them have found the right spot for them. So so tell us about your travel ball experience. When did you start, and then tell us about? It. So, I you know with me being a family of there was four kids, and so really time was more of the the bigger issue. And I started playing travel ball. 7U was my last year of rec league. So at 8U, I started playing travel ball. And, you know, it wasn't just because of, you know, competition level or this or that. It was more so that they're just – it was very difficult for my parents to be in all the different places at once. And, you know, I think if it was up to my dad, um, you know, I would have played in – I would have played on every team possible every night, seven nights a week. Um, I remember getting (laughs) mono as a kid and my – you know, my mom – I was in fifth or sixth grade, and my mom asked the doctor to write a note, and she was like, you know, who? I had to take a little time off. And the doctor goes, you know, who should I write the note to? His coach is, you know, a teacher, and he was like his father. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Um, so it was just one of those things that I never missed practice. Um, my dad, he always, he always pushed me, but he was my biggest fan. But also, um, you know, rec league, it was one of those, you know, when I was – I was one of the – you know, kids that could throw and catch. And so my last year of rec league, I could only play first base because no one else could catch the ball if I threw it across the infield. And so that, I think, also went into the decision um, decision just to go ahead um, and move to the travel ball circuit. Lewis and I definitely see it at the uh, rec league level umpiring. Um, yeah. And the, the competition is not always, uh, not always great. For instance, right now, 12U baseball in Fairview. The pitching is not good. It's not good. We've seen some 10U pitchers that are better. Way better. And I mean no disrespect if you're listening. Correct. Um, it's just a fact. Uh, they try hard. Mm-hmm. They put, But it, I think it's hard to get that individual coaching at a rec league level when you've got all these kids and a volunteer coach. So from eight years on, you were playing travel ball. Mm-hmm. Didn't play rec ball at all? No, sir. Until you got to middle school and then you're playing middle school ball, right? Yep. So did you always play on the same team from eight on? Yes, yes. I played on the same team. Um, that organization was called the Blue Ridge Bears. And, you know, we actually ended up – we got together our senior year. Um, and that was orchestrated of kids through several dif- different school districts. Cool. I'm um, glad you said that right there. Yeah. So there's two mindsets to this thing. One mindset like the Philippec mindset. I'm going to start a team early on. You're familiar with Philippec, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, Did you see the video of him going crazy the other day? It does not surprise me. I did not see that, but it does not surprise me. They were me. playing McDowell. He had to be held back. Correct. From the umpires and the other coach. But go ahead. Yeah. So the Philippec mindset is, hey, we're going to start a team early on, keep this team together, mm-hmm. and, and we're going to graduate that team. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a phenomenal baseball team junior senior year yep the other and my personal opinion i love that mindset mm-hmm. right we're gonna get and some of the kids were not from tc area mm-hmm. but they eventually moved into the tc area oh yeah right oh yeah sure i like the smile on your face but the other mindset we're gonna go to every silver 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 league bracket we're gonna recruit kids from all around western north carolina we're gonna prop up little johnny Make him surround him with great players, mm-hmm. and then we're going to rise this team up 
till it's time for middle school. And then little Johnny's going to join the rest of the kids that didn't get this experience. And then their middle school and high school team's going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Right. But little Johnny had a great Facebook page for five or six years and hit a home runs and their team was winning little rings and all this. But in overall scheme, their team sucks in high school. Yeah. Right. Which one do you think is a better program? I think that um, it would be absolutely um, hard to argue that what T.C. Robertson is doing is not the absolute best way sure. um, to do things. They only win all the time. They, I think um, they – and I told Mike, you know, coming on here, I'll have a bold prediction. I think they win a – my prediction is that they win a state championship this year. And uh, at the 4A level, I think they – Well, they've been grooming this team for eight years. Yes, yes. And I would argue that – what, you know, if you had a player that was of that level that went and played travel ball and showcase baseball and stuff like that, is as a coach, I want each individual player to be the best that they can become because baseball is the ultimate individual but team sport. Okay. So every individual, as an individual, you want them to want to be the best they possibly can be to help the team. So I would argue that would that player be the same player in high school if he did not go be around better competition? And I see both sides. But that, 100% not. That if I mean, you're, you focused on baseball from an early age, mm-hmm. right? You took thousands and thousands of reps, batting, pitching, mm-hmm. everything you did, right? Yep. You would definitely not be the player you were if it wasn't for all those games. Correct. But my argument is, in Riddle's district right now, I know of four travel ball teams, mm-hmm. right? Two of them are in the same age group. Why do we not combine these teams, make something, build a program that feeds into the middle school and high school where we can actually compete with TC? Because here's the deal. At the end of the day, you can do you can spend all these thousands of dollars making this kid good at baseball and everything. You're still going to lose to TC every year. Correct. Right? Correct. And what I would say about that was, and I don't know the travel teams that you're um, speaking of, but if there's two travel teams of the same age groups – from an outsider looking in, that is you've got two sets of parents Absolutely. that want their kids to play certain positions, and they can't they can't come together and make a decision that would help and better AC Reynolds as a high school. Correct. So that would be – And I, do you experience the same thing out at Inca? Because you got, you got kids on that team that played on four or five different travel ball teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think travel ball is a thing that, you know, I think a lot of people think Coach Griffin and I want kids to play for a certain team or – um, certain uh, organization or um, don't want to play for a certain organization. And that, and I think that every kid, every situation is different. If it was up to Coach Griffin and I, um, just speaking on of, you know, just because of how hard it is to actually compete with Robertson every year and the ultimate respect for Eric Filipek. I mean, he is a um, – he's an actual baseball coach. Absolutely. That is – and a very good motivator as well. So it's hard to find you, you know, I can name a lot of people that are good motivators that, you know, talking about, you know, actual baseball technical things that they're not really a baseball coach. Um, and I've played for some, um, but you know, Eric Filipek is, is the best of both worlds. And he has got those kids, they drink the Kool-Aid. I mean, we, we, we laugh about it all the time. They're drunk off the Kool-Aid because <laughs> I mean, he, they, they are bought extremely bought in to what he has. And it's not, um, and they, they started that from a young age. Absolutely. You convince them from a young age, you don't have to train them the system or anything later on. It's all about perfecting technique. Yes. So when they get to high school, those kids have played together. Those kids have – they've practiced together. They know 
they know exactly how to function a quality batting order and they know how to function a lineup they know who can throw they know this they know everything the ins and outs to all the kids and then it's also one of those things that um as far as like we've you guys have you know alluded to Reynolds football program of how it's a top tier program in the area and you know Phil Peck he he will tell you how Reynolds cares about their football program that is exactly how he cares about their baseball program and you know and um They've got history. They've got, you know, half – I went to Cane Creek Middle School. A lot of my, you know, best friends and kids that I'm still very, very close with went to Robertson, played for Robertson. Eric Filipek was not necessarily all of their friends. He was – he is a very um, – I've heard more negative things than positive things about, you know, how he um, how he wasn't always nice to kids or this or that. And it's – So sometimes it's not about being nice to a kid. It's about telling them the truth and making them make – the choice of adjusting or not there is very few people in this area and um, my you know Todd Griffin is in that category now but there are very few coaches that actually prepare young people to not only go and play in a in you know contribute to a college program but that contribute and contribute to society and contribute to um, being a young young person and having a standard having an expectation um, and doing things quote, the right way. And, you know, us at Inca, we might think that our right way is better than someone else's right way, but it's hard to argue with what Eric Filipek and what Bill Hilliard have done at Asheville. Um, it's very, very, you'd be be a tough argument to say what they're doing is not working because of their success that they've had and then also the success that they've had at the next level. They've got, you know, active kids that are, play at all, you know, at every level of college. They had players um, – one of my one of my close friends growing up was drafted in the first round from T.C. Robertson, Braxton Davidson. Um, his little brother, Caden, is a sophomore at Robertson right now. And it's just one of those things that that is the standard that um, that they have set. They've won or had a share of the conference championship for, you know, since for 20, for 20 probably 20 straight years. Um, and that's where, you know, we gauged our success at North Buncombe when God were there playing. We beat Robertson. And that was just – that's how we knew that we were one of the best programs in the state because we could beat T.C. Robertson. So my argument, especially as a parent, would be it's cool to win state championships, right? Nothing, awesome experience. How many people do you get into college? That's what I measure success off of. I would – what I would rebuttal back to that is that how many kids do you get to college or how many kids that see college out that finish a program – Getting a kid to the commit and have a signing day for that kid—that's cool. I think um, I think both of those are very important. Mm-hmm. First of all, we gotta get to the table. Many, many schools do not get anyone to the table. Correct. So that's a complete waste of time. All of those summers, all those games, uh, all the funding that those uh, clubs have put into this kid—complete waste of time. He doesn't get to the table. Yeah. No, I, I I see that from a from a parent's perspective that you would want to. Um, get as many kids to college at the next level. I know that we we are you know, going through it right now. With we've got we start five or six underclassmen on our varsity team right now, and we've got um, UNCA coach uh, texted Coach Griffin last night, asked when our next home game was, wants to come look at one of our sophomore players. Um, you know, very very good sophomore. But when Coach Griffin and I, you know, when we ask our kids who all wants to go play college baseball. You know, when I was growing up, I mean, every kid in the dugout would have raised their hand. Right now, I mean, it's there's not a 
overwhelming 100% unanimous decision that all these kids want to go play college baseball or even want the chance, which is discouraging for me because, you know, especially at the young age, I would want these kids to quote, I mean, dream big or to want to set their set, you know, set their, you know, their, their eyes high and, and then adjust from there as you get forward. And then like when you see that your opportunities aren't as, you know, aren't as predominant as what you thought they could be. You know, my thing was I wanted to go – I grew up watching John Henson play at Clemson University, and I, I wanted to be a Clemson baseball player. I mean, that was that was the standard, was going to play baseball at Clemson University. Well, then as I, you know, as I got older and matured and realized that, you know, my phone wasn't ringing from any Clemson coaches, like that wasn't an opportunity that I had. Um, but it's one of those that I think that uh, college – high school coaches don't necessarily have – as much pull as parents think, but I do think that there are coaches in the area that do. And so I would say not every coach has those connections, but I will say that I know personally that and some coaches do. I think the reason for that is some coaches pick up the phone and make that pipeline. 100%. And that is Other coaches sit back and collect a check and no one ever goes anywhere. Correct. Correct. And that that to me is where you see programs with the um, the talent pool that's more than, you know, it's more than Inca, that's more than North Bunker, that's more than Irwin. There's, you know, there's better demographics in Western North Carolina, and there's, and those programs aren't being successful as far as putting kids into the next level. But also, they're but hey, not. But hey, we made a good Facebook post. Little Johnny hit a home run for sure, right? That's what a lot of these coaches care about. A hundred percent, and that's where, especially when parents get involved at that level with coaching. Yep. There's some parents that should not coach at beyond rec league or travel ball league. And I think that something that I would attest that I'm thankful that. And I don't know if it was a decision my dad made, but my dad was – my brother, four years older, was coaching his teams. My dad, I would say after six or seven years, I, I don't know if he even coached those teams, but my dad never coached a team of mine. But you know my, what he did? He provided extreme motivation for you. Extreme, yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> I would say extreme, yes. That's what a parent should do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If, if they're coaching or not – because I've coached my boys and I've not coached my boys. Yep. And – the motivation factor is what a parent should do. It shouldn't be, hey, little Johnny's not getting a look at, although he can't catch or throw or hit the ball, so I'm just going to start my own team. Oh, yeah. Right? Lewis and I were literally at a workout facility for our kids. Obviously, we I'm don't glad you out. brought this up because I was thinking about it. So we're at a workout facility uh, for, our, for, our, for our, our kids, and uh, there's a lady sitting there. Her, her daughter's working out as well. We're just talking, and she says, yeah, my daughter wouldn't get enough playing time on her travel team, so we started our own. Oh, yeah. That's, oh. oh, okay. And that's cool. You can pay me $400 every weekend. Your daughter still sucks at, at softball. Sorry. <laughs> For sure. And that's where, you know, we we see this all across the area that there is so many – I think a lost art is that kids these days with const, um, constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is an overwhelming – that kids just are not as receptive to handling constructive criticism – as when I is when not when I was growing up, but when that I've seen from kids in the past. Dude, first half, being an umpire, you get to see this. Yes, uh, unbelievable. There's the parents to say, yes, we can still go get ice cream at the mall after this game. Just get up there and hit little Johnny, right? And okay. then there's the parents that's like, hey, you mess more and more ball, you're coming back to the dugout and thinking about it for an inning, mm-hmm. right? So. Kids have to be brought up to say, hey, you're not going to be successful every time, but you need to work on it and get motivated and go out there and do it. I miss, I miss the days of, you know, Coach Connors coached at Reynolds back in the day, way, way back in the day. 
And uh, if you screwed up and you came off the sideline, he was going to grab your face mask and yell at you. Or hit you with a whistle. Or hit you with a whistle strap. Yeah. Or, you know, some some extreme things. But Coach it, Ford it, did the same thing, it, by it, the way. It made, us, it made us not only better football players, it made us better men. Absolutely. How many times? I've seen this working in business where a new kid comes in. They can't handle the, the, the boss saying, listen, you really screwed up on this project. Right? Yeah. Where me, I'm like, hey, please tell me everything I screw up on. I'm going to build on that and make it better next time. Yep. And I would sit here and, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up that I'm a father of one. Now I've got an 11-month-old. And as a, now that I've got my own, I think that I could I, – I think, you know, I've got a perspective – that I want what's best for him. I obviously, you know, want him to be, you know, I'll, I'm biased to my to my boy. I think he's the greatest 11-month-old in the world. Sure. <laughs> but as far as what, you know, from a father and, you know, father and mother, have you ever had a time that, you know, Mike, that Luke maybe didn't agree with something that you and Andrew said? Is there ever been a time? Yeah, like every day. Every yeah. day. Does that mean that you did not love him any less? No. Or does that mean that you were wrong? No. No, so it's like I don't know what it is with parents these days that have made it to where they're the only ones that could be in that position with their kids. It's like, you know, if, if there's a coach in this area or if there's something, and it doesn't just go with just Inca baseball or just Robertson baseball. It's it's if Coach Walker at Christ School, if he gives your, your son some advice that may or says something to your son that Luke may not agree with, it doesn't automatically mean that – it doesn't automatically mean that Coach Walker doesn't like your son or is mean to your son or he just may actually care about, you know, getting your son to that next level. Right, right. Um, Lewis and I, we had, you know, our sons played football together, and we always, we always made it a point or to be totally honest with our kids. And I can remember Luke coming to the sideline. <laughs> the shoots. The shoots, Dad. I, I always win it. The shoots, you know, where you get under the shoots and you hit, you hit head on, head on, man on man. I won. Yeah, I won every time in the shoots. No, you didn't. You stood straight up and your head got jammed in the shoot. No, I won. I literally started recording it so I could show it to him, so I could prove to him that he didn't win. But to me, it was important that he knew he didn't win, even though he thought he won. You know what's cool about that philosophy? Uh, with this one. We record every match, right? Every every wrestling match, everything. After a while, they're instantly when they come off the mat saying, "Hey, let me look at that video, yeah. right? I want to see what I did." So if you build that mindset, yes, then people become extremely proficient, right? They don't waste time saying, "Oh, I did this." I did. no, you didn't. He, they say, "Hey, I want to see the video. I want to improve for next match." Right. So a couple other follow up questions to the baseball. Did you play any other sports? Yes, I did. I was. I played all three major sports and I'm going to clarify <laughs> I'm going to clarify major as basketball, football and baseball. I um, agree with you Carson. Go ahead. <laughs> but um no, I was an East Buncombe Youth Football Rocket uh played um but I tore my ACL in the 5th grade. So I had to uh fly down to Dr. James Andrews and have surgery, um reconstructive surgery. I was homeschooled the rest of 5th grade. Um that kind of numbered my, you know, football days um as far as just you know, hesitant with my dad playing college football. He had already had torn both of his ACLs. Um, and then me tearing in the fifth grade, you know, it was hard to sell to my parents that, to let me play football again. But I played basketball. Um, I ended up – I played basketball at Reynolds High School um, before I'd left to go to North Buncombe. And then after my sophomore year, 
when I left to go to North Buncombe, I only focused on baseball. Um, and then I did play church basketball every Saturday at First Baptist downtown. <laughs> um, and that was against my dad's wishes. It was actually one of those um, things that he had no idea I played. And then one of my <laughs> one of my best friends asked my dad if um, I, quote, went off one of the games. And I had I had a few points in that game, and it was one of my better games. And my buddy asked my dad, did Carson tell you about the game? And my dad's like, what game are you talking about? Busted. And, and I'll never forget how disappointed my dad was because I had – just lied to him and um but it was one of those i had a baseball scholarship they were very very particular on me um not trying to risk anything um or do anything like that but i was a um you know we golfed growing up we played tennis growing up can, we can did you take a pause for a second yes you lied about your dad about playing church baseball basketball mm-hmm. just saying yes <laughs> yes i did so i know how it sounds i know how it sounds so do you think it's important to be so many kids are specialized now they only play football they only play baseball they only play basketball is it important to be specialized from a young age or do you think it's better to uh, to, to play a bunch of different sports i think that every sport gives something that gives something different that the athlete can take 100 I, I think football gives a strength aspect takes a mental a mental toughness aspect um we've got you know we've got football on our team and it's crazy how some of the tougher kids on our team um, we've got basketball players and it's crazy how they're some of the more athletic fast speed um s- speed kids and then we've also got kids that just specialize and just do baseball and it's one of those that every kid is every kid's going to be different your genetics and your gene pool of what you have and what you were given from um, from the lord when you were born is you have a absolute floor from what from that standpoint luke is going to be what luke is from that standpoint but i would be i would be lying if i said that i didn't think that you could work on stuff to get better and to increase that um to increase your athletic ability to increase your um your fast twitch muscle fibers and stuff like that. I mean, that would be against everything I studied in school, but I do think that every sport offers something. I think that, um, from, from my opinion, um, I want my son to be able to touch every ball and be able to handle everything. (laughs) That just did not come out like I wanted it to, (laughs) but I would like my son to be able to never be out of place on an athletic field. Correct. Let me, let me put it, let me put it that way. I like, I like it that way. Um, but it's it's one of those things. I definitely see that that's a that's a thing that's becoming more prevalent with specializing. And these parents think that if their kid does something full time, that they're automatically going to be a college basketball player. Correct. They're automatically going to be a college baseball player, and that is not the case. And if you remember day one, JV football, Coach Laws, what was his thing? Your kid has to not be specialized. That college recruiters want people that are well rounded individuals. Is that a fat joke? <laughs> well, I'm well-rounded. There's only sure. three of us here that are well-rounded. Yep. One person's in shape. <laughs> He's also 18 or whatever. Yeah. 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 So uh, 27, in, whatever. In your opinion, travel ball was worth it. It was the way to go for you. Travel ball can be worth it. Travel ball absolutely can be worth it. It's one of those that it is um, – I, if I had to do something over again, I wish that we could have figured out a way to come up with a 12U team and get in a little league to go play and uh, to have a chance to compete at Williamsport. I know that you guys asked about the organization I played with. I think nine of the ten kids on that team ended up signing a Division One scholarship. Wow. So, so a lot of kids, um, a lot of successful kids, um, not just on the ball fields, but – 
different sports. I was very lucky for my group. Um, we had kids go to North, NC State. We had kids play in North Carolina. Um, a lot of kids from the area, but like I said, it was just kids from the area. Um, and I wish that I could have somehow figured out a way to be on a 12U Little League team to get a chance to go play at Williamsport because that's always – I watch it every year. That, to me, is something that as a baseball player as you grow up, that's like a dream that you would you would want. In my In my opinion – it should be the head coach of the football or the the baseball program to start a travel ball team and start start a system feeding in. Much like football is now. Exactly, right? Coach Laws goes down and works with those kids all the time in, at EBR, right? Right. That's what needs to happen in baseball. It's RYL now. Yeah, whatever. But that, those, those parents are, should get out of the way, let this guy direct everything, Put the right kid in the right positions. Let's build a program that we're going to be successful and and really compete with TC. Yep. Well, just to be the devil's advocate. So you're asking a head baseball coach, how much do head baseball coaches make at public schools? Just ballpark it. Ballpark it. A supplement baseball coach makes $1,000. So he makes $1,000. Now you're asking him to go – uh, build a build a youth league program as well. Yeah, are, are you motivated by the paycheck or by what what this community thinks of you and what we can produce and the, the leaders we can bring back in here from the scholarships they get? I like it. That's a good point. Bingo. You don't do it for the money. If any coach out here is doing it for the money, then they're doing it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> now, I will bring up that we're doing this podcast clearly for the money. All so. 100%. The supplement, the check that y'all gave me is – yeah. I'll be here all day. I'll say there's three motivating factors for a coach. One, so their kid can be the star athlete and be in the position, all that. Two, for the pay. Or three, for the community. Like, you think back, like, if I'm thinking about Coach Ford, Coach Ford could care less about the paycheck he received, right? I mean, you're working at a high school to begin with. You're not going to get make much money. If, if you wanted to, go be an engineer. Go be a drug salesman, right? But instead of that, you, you care about what the community does, right? That right. That's what your motivating factor is. Great coaches like that. Coach Ford, not the greatest person in the world, right? But he's the greatest coach that ever came through the Valley because he cared about the community. He cared about the kids. He wanted to see them succeed. And what a motivator. Absolutely. He, he motivated everybody in that community to hate Reynolds. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, I, mean I, it's I, true. I grew up hating Reynolds. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I would hate the school that beat you often. I mean, that would be – it's true. It's true. Pat, any follow-up questions for uh, travel baseball? or? Uh, it's Carson? been fascinating, and like I put up in my show prep, gentlemen, this has really been a conversation between the three of you because the best I ever did was I barely made it to first base in baseball, so it's never not really my forte. So, And, and I've never been in a travel program either. Um, none of my kids have ever been in travel. But. No. Uh, we flirted with it, but with the church thing, you know, we can't, we got to go to church on Sunday. We got other topics, though, right, gentlemen? So, Carson, uh, have you heard about the new classification system? Because currently we're in the 4A, right? Mm-hmm. One through four. A local or a, a recent bill passed where they're going to expand that to seven. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? I have, yes. Um, and my little brother's actually a head coach at a uh, new high school in the Chapel Hill. Um, he went to North Carolina. It is C4th High School. And so right now – uh, last Sounds like it should be at the coast. Yes, it should be. Seaforth Hawks is their name. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so me, right, him, and uh, Coach Griffin, we've got a group message, and we, we talk often. And um, and it was, you know, when we first thought it was going to be the, you know, 
it was going to be based on the three classifications that you guys missed uh, mentioned with the um, attendance per day, with the amount of free lunches or this or that. And then we found out that they had passed the 7A um, to go up to 7A with just based off of daily attendance. And I think that if any anybody in the area, anybody that has an opinion that they're not for it, I would ask why because it helps theoretically everybody. Everybody gets to go to playoffs. I mean, there's a lot of everybody almost gets to go to playoffs, which brings more money, more home playoff games, means more gate, more concessions, all of that good stuff. So to your point, and this is from the Citizen Times article on this, um, the NCHSAA has added more than 100 schools uh, since the 1960 time where they actually set up this 4A system. So we've added 100 schools but kept just four classifications and I think you all were just alluding to more schools being in the playoffs, more opportunity. Mm-hmm. Can anybody argue there's a disparity right now at the 4A and the 1A that's completely out? Of, I mean, off base. I think the biggest disparity is in the 4A because you have you know schools like Reynolds last year. What was what was their 900 kids or whatever? Yeah, I think they're 900 playing 2,500 kids. Yeah, right. So there's a huge disparity there, right? When you go to three, two, and one, they're a little bit closer. 4A is just like a catch-all. So it's I think true. that's going to help those schools out. Yes, and I think I saw – I didn't necessarily don't remember the article, but I saw that, you know, for however th- – over 300 high school, public high schools in the area or charters, um, they're only giving out four – or only being able to earn four football state championships is the lowest in the country that, you know, just because when I went to school in South Carolina, it's you've got – they've got all the classifications. They've got 6A, 6AA. They've got an upper state, a lower state championship. They've got all these different things that were um, – that we were like, you know what, they're – and, you know, just to give a snippet of uh, state playoffs for South Carolina, the first round in state playoffs, you know, for North Carolina, you have four rounds that are single elimination. And that, to me, is why it's very, very tough to win a state championship in – North Carolina baseball. To me, that's not surprising from a travel ball kid wanting a trinket. I'm just saying. I know, just <laughs> yeah. saying. Yeah. And then you go to South Carolina, and it's immediately a series. And so um, – Like a best of three. Best of three immediately off the off the first round. But, yeah, yeah. but – but I mean, let's just let everybody in the playoffs, and let's let everybody play, and we'll, we'll give out 18 state championships. The, the one thing I like about it, I, I like more football, right? I, I love more – chances of a Cinderella team coming up and, and beating somebody big. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen very often. The fact that we're watering down a state championship kind of hurts me, but the fact that I get to compete for another maybe two or three weeks for four years in a row because I'm still in the playoffs does great for football knowledge. Yeah, but then you have the schools that are already – got the, the administrators who are already complaining. Well, we have to drive two hours or three hours to play our playoff game, and we're going to lose money because we have yeah, to well, fuel the bus. Yeah, well, when you're an administrator and you're getting over $100,000, I don't want to hear you crying about you having to do a little bit more work. They don't make that much money. Do they? Reynolds principal last year made $175,000. It's public information. Go look at it. Are you serious? Absolutely. Now, now to your point about the watered-down thing, they addressed this in the article, too, of Citizen Times, is that – the NCHSAA's football state championships would still be less watered down than any other state in the region. South Carolina awards one title for every 40.2 football teams, one in every 51.8 Georgia football teams wins a state championship, and Tennessee has one state championship for every 37.6 teams. Wow. And I think that, you know, for teams in our area, I mean, who's – 
got who has so many state championships here that like it will actually get watered down. I just don't. Definitely not Inca because zero is zero. Zero is zero. <laughs> so like, I'm just giving you our no. Time. I mean, if you when I went to North Buncombe in high school, we went years without winning a game. It was like, you know, I was um, telling my significant other Whitney, I was like. She was like, "Did you go to you know? Did you go to football games?" And I was like, "Yeah, we went to Reynolds football games. Oh. I guess that's what we, I mean. We didn't go to North Buncombe <laughs> football games. Yeah. We went to Reynolds football games. We didn't. We and that's just the truth and the reality of it. But it's like, even you're gonna say that you know Reynolds may win. I just when you hang a banner, when you get a ring for it, say that say that two other or three other teams are gonna be able to do that in the state. I think in the you know when a Reynolds football player puts a ring on, I think it will still mean." quite a lot to them so so i know four uh people from Reynolds that have been on a state championship team and that's something they really do cherish and they talk about Absolutely. quite often and i have to tell them who could care less but anyway because owen's never won one but anyway <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is a cool thing to get right it is oh absolutely but i want to ask you the same question does it matter about that when when no one graduates and goes to a d1 program Reynolds last year had a dominant defense. And as far as – I think there's two that went to a D1 program. The one went to Duke. What's the other one? Uh, Elon. Reggie. Reggie. No, no. Right. Uh, Asher went to Elon, and then uh, Big Russ went to Mars Hill. That's what it was. That's what it was. So you produced three kids that went to a college somewhere. And right? Deontay Fountain got on at Union over in Barberville, Kentucky. He got a ride there. Some no-name school. But, but let me ask you a question. Union is at – over in Kentucky somewhere. Barberville to NAIA. NAIA, okay. Yeah. Who, who knows, right? So you got four kids that's playing college ball now. They had a dominant defense that could withstand anything the state could almost throw at them, right? They produced four, right? But, how, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. How many is Christ School producing? What, the top 25 just come out? So the top, they, just, they had the top 20 um, recruits for this next senior class. Yep. Christ School had three on there. And what about Providence Day? Out of Charlotte, they had four. So seven out of two schools. Sounds like those coaches are doing a little overtime, really making some pipelines, getting their kids some looks. Christ School's defense has six D1, uh, current 6-1. I mean, and there could be more. There's still the argument because, you know, no one, no one will step up to the table and play those teams. There's still the argument that these schools that are in these county schools will roll over your kids' schools, right? We don't know. Because they'll never they'll never step up to the plate and play these people, but they're producing athletes that are going and getting a degree, right at the next level. So everything that I don't care if if Reynolds wins the next ten state championships, if they only produce four athletes to go to college, and they're mate, not even D one, half of them not even D one. Someone who cares? For everything I've heard about football is, if you want to play football at the next level. There's a spot for you somewhere, D1, D2, D3, NAIA. In reality, anybody who wants to play the next level of football, now you may have to pay to go. That's okay. You can go. Right. But if, if you're academically eligible. Is that Christ School coach helping you do this? No. He's not setting a pipeline up? He's not giving you a roadmap? Uh, no, yes. Yes, he is doing that. No, he is not trying to push us to NAIA or anything. No, but he's giving you a roadmap, right? Right. Yes. He, he sends out – so last year he sent out a thing on how to do highlight videos, where to put them, who to send them to, who to like on Twitter. And then once you produce these videos, then he shares them. The school shares them. Cool. And what year did that start for you? 
Well, last year when we went to uh, as a sophomore, as a sophomore. What What about the previous year? Did that happen for you? No, no, it didn't. Right? No, it didn't happen. There's no playbook there. Here, c- good luck, parents. Figure it out all on your own. I'm just going to sit back and collect my check and, and get my eleven thousand dollars in a tire. <laughs> what one thing that I will say is that I think that when it comes to the you know kids playing at the next level, I think that there is. How you always base teams in college levels, for example, college baseball, the better teams have the most draft picks. So when I left App State, we had three draft picks the year that I left. When I went to Landry University, a smaller school, we had five. So theoretically, that that I went to a smaller school but went to a better school for baseball. And I will, you know, I'd take that, I would take that to the house on that on that hot take. And so as far as a high school standpoint, I would argue that the same thing counts for high school. So the school with the be- with the most kids going to the highest level, generally speaking, would be a better better team, would be a better program. Um, and I think that, like you said, you know Reynolds football, their defense was, I think, one for the you know one of the best. I heard it was one of the best defenses Reynolds ever had. Which I watched their 2009 state championship team, and I would just. Is that the one with St. Ange on it? Yes. That defense yeah. was pretty incredible. Yes, right. with Ben Ben Council, uh, Cassidy yeah. Topa, Cortland Clavette. I mean, it just – the list goes on and on and on. And that was my brother's senior year, and that went to this game at NC State University and watched them win a state championship. And I just – I I think that team – I think that team handles this past Reynolds team. Um, but that doesn't take anything away from the Reynolds team. Reynolds football team had a unbelievable defense – for their respective group and schools that they played, and that's and that's really how you you know where you stop that that sentence at, and it's one of those that it will never see because it's a lose lose. Um, they're they're not going to schedule them because it's a lose lose for Reynolds. If they they if they win, they should beat them. If they lose, they should have you know they they could pot- potentially lose more players to them. Theoretically, Theore- yeah, theoretically. So let's just talk real quick. I read an article on the, uh, the is it the high school overtime uh, site? Yes, it covers North Carolina sports. They had a little different take on how the local teams would look in the seven districts. So, seven uh, A still only McDowell. They're the 29th out of 31st. So small, but that that's going to be a tough road to hoe. Absolutely. And Very as tough. I give you these, think about how the conferences look. Mm-hmm. So McDowell seven, six A Asheville TC, five A. Think of this as a conference and how terrible it would be in football. Reynolds, Irwin, North Henderson, North Buncombe, and Inca. 4A, Pisgah, Tuscola, Smoky Mountain. That's a pretty good fit regionally and, you know, skill-wise. Uh, 3A, Brevard and Owen. And then they still got to go through Shelby, which is bad news for everybody else. Yeah, at, at someone in the 2A, trust me, Shelby, I hate playing them. Yeah. 2A, Chase and Madison. 1A, Polk and Cherokee. So that's a little bit different breakdown than we kind of came up with. And, again, it's both are theoretical. Uh, they have not released that yet. That's just based on the ADMs from now. Of course, all that changes. People move around. Communities change. They build the new high schools. So that's that's kind of where we are. That's what they're thinking. So think about a conference. Are you going to split it make it a 5A, 6A or a 5A, 6A, 7A? Are you going to do just 5A and just 6A? And what are you going to do with Asheville TC? Because there's only two of them. It, it, it becomes a little bit trickier with more A's. 
as opposed to there's four now, you combine three and four and you got a conference. Now you're going to have to either combine three or move some folks around. McDowell is not in a good location really for any conference. Correct. Uh, you know, that, that's a big, big county. It takes up a lot of room. It doesn't have it, – it's got a lot of people, but not a lot like Mecklenburg County Yeah, but does. when we think about football, they're not going to compete anyway, so who cares? <laughs> Unless they're in like three. <laughs> right. So – but Reynolds used to be, when my brother went there, you know, Reynolds was in the Northwestern 4A conference. Yes, I remember and those days. So, I mean, they – I don't know why all of a sudden now with more resources and stuff and, you know, more more money than ever being in actual Buncombe County school system, why we care so much about travel time and finances on that aspect I, of I it. I tell you, from a two-way level, we do not care about travel time because we, uh, we had – we had to drive for a JV game three Correct. hours Correct. on a Thursday night to play football and get yeah. home at 1 in the morning and go to school on Friday. Just for some reason, the 4A people, they cry about it. I don't get it. <laughs> I remember when Reynolds was moved to the Northwestern Conference, and Coach Poss was the coach at the time, and he's like, you know, that's a lot of travel on our kids. And it's not just football. It's the other sports that play during the week. Right. But I remember Kenny Ford getting on TV and saying, they're not scared of the travel. They're scared of what's at the bottom of the mountain. Oh, that, it's, it's almost the truth, though, right? He said it on on the news on WLOS. If you, if you think about it, when we go to playoffs, that's almost truth. Because well, you know Reynolds, Reynolds did still dominate that conference. It's a little bit further down the mountain; it gets a little bit yeah, tougher down to Charlotte. Yeah, down, down to Charlotte. So, I mean, Pat, what are you thinking on seven A? Well, I, I think it's a good thing, uh, just because you know I got to watch the the four A run that Reynolds made this year, which was amazing, phenomenal. Darn darn near Hoosiers. I mean, Reynolds was what an attend enrollee either the bottom or the second from the bottom in four A in enrollment and to go that deep in the playoffs just a, a, a nose hair away from getting into the state championship game. Um obviously a great story, but you know, realistically, to your point I think earlier about the enrollment the total enrollment of Reynolds was smaller than that of the entire male population enrollment of any of those Charlotte schools they faced in the playoffs. So it's a totally different pond to fish in when, you know, you've got that many more athletes to try and draw from. So I, I, I put that out there and that I'd, I'd be in favor of seeing the 7A split. Um, and, you know, when we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, what does this journey look like to college – uh, I've been fully immersed in this. Like I said in the beginning, it, it was like sending a VHS tape when it was in the mid-80s to a three or four schools. It's much, much different than that now. And what does that look like? And there's some things I'll bring up that I uh, is a revelation in this experience because Brendan is a rising senior. He's an all-conference player from um, last year, and he's gotten a little bit of attention, and it's across the spectrum. And I will tell you one thing. Coach Law has made this very clear in our um, meetings with the parents Every single season since he was a freshman, number one, there is not a thing you can do about getting to the next level of athletics. And I don't care what sport it is, if you do not have the academics, the grades. If you don't have it, there's not a thing he can do about it. There's not a thing the Christ School coach can do about it. There's not a thing anybody can do about it. And I've been around and talked to these coaches. I've been to Brevard College now. I've been to JMU. I've been to Eastern Kentucky. I mean, we've been on a whirlwind. And without exception, number one thing they brought up every time. Hey, we've seen your film. Looks great. That's all secondary to what the academics are. Cause, and the Brevard coach put it beautifully. When, when we talked to him, he could, he, he's obviously interested in good athletes, but he would say, uh, I'll come look and see how you're doing, and if your grades aren't there, it's, it's a deal buster, but I'll actually take a look at your behavior on the sideline and see how you're integrating there because I don't have time to hold your hand with your grades, and I do not have time to deal with some sort of behavioral problem. I'm trying to coach a team, and we're trying to get something done over here. 
that's the kind of stuff these guys are looking at at the next level, and that was clear in a lot of his trips that we made. So, Carson, you've been recruited. Is that true? I mean, are they looking at your grades first? <clears throat> they – I would – I would almost dis- I would almost disagree. I just think that if you're obviously you have to have grades to get into that school, but if we're sitting here just saying that if you think these college coaches that get paid the money they get paid to win games care about their team GPA and stuff like that, I just I think that it's like yes, they do care about they you have to be able to get into that school. Yes, correct. I would say the grades thing is true if you're not a phenomenal athlete. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, we've all heard the stories of the tutors, everyone else doing schoolwork for these kids as long as they're able to play. Yes, but it's if you are what what is it to is it a two five still to get to a division one scholarship? I think it was two seven. Is it a two seven? I know the NCAA. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> excuse Pat while he does. In the eligibility center, you have to have a two point three. Is what Ms. Walter two point three. So what I would have to say to that is if. 2.3 like yes there is that that level that you have to be at a 2.3 but after that it's like are you going to be able to elevate yourself to a better school a better football program at the next level if you have a 4.0 or if you have a 3.0 i would say that once you are above that threshold of that um now that's not to say that you won't be able to go to a strong academic school and go play somewhere in the north or go play at a school at a smaller level and be able to play of you know a school of those you know but then i would argue that that is um that is not the number one focus of you know a in-state school around these parts um in-state school in north carolina i mean those coaches get paid to win i mean those the app coaches if you think that you, if you're if luke has a 4.8 is he going to be able to go to app it's one of those things It's like, if he's going to be able to go to App, it's going to be because of what he can do on a football field. What else are you learning in this journey? It's been absolutely amazing to learn about it because, um, you know, your, your points that you all brought up earlier about the video clips and how that's made, um, you know, I didn't have to make any of those clips. The first person I saw make a video clip was, was you and Brendan. Well, we learned, learned a little bit about that coming up. We'd actually started that before he even and, got here. And who recommended you that? I think that was you, wasn't it, Lewis? Yeah, but, I mean – so no coach recommended you. That. Oh no, no, that's not true. Okay. The, no, that, no, that's that came up. Uh, the that that became quite clear earlier in the meeting too, and he, and Coach Laws brought this up every time in our freshman and sophomore and junior meetings too. The kids that get the film out there and get it presented wind up with better opportunities, and yeah, that's loud and clear. Now say this, you know, the kids uh, at least over at Reynolds, they get a huddle pro, uh, login yeah, every time, and there's login, and every every time there's a game, that stuff comes down. Brendan sits down at night. After that, you know, film gets cut, and he makes his highlight reel, and boom, it goes out. I that's think it. that's countywide now, pretty much. Maybe that's fine if it's county. We're county at Owen; it's the same thing. So, so, so we've got Wait, that. Owen has computers. <clears throat> yes. Oh, okay. Go Internet ahead. goes to the valley. I yeah. didn't think it did. That is wild. It does. And breaking running water. news: yeah, we have running water, unlike Tennessee. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> but what's been impressive to me is just uh, people that are aware of what's gone on with. Um, Brendan's play that we had no idea was happening. And uh, I think some people alluded that this might happen uh, as we got down the road. But we're looking at, like, Division two programs, Division three programs. That's kind of where we were targeting. Because yeah. Brendan, Brendan was kind of a smaller lineman. And then he started getting attention from some bigger schools and some schools outside the area. Like, for example, one of the first ones we heard from was uh, was JMU. Well, 
yeah, yeah, we would like to go see, you know, see, see what that looks like. We'd be thrilled. But how on earth did he get on the, the radar of this school? And they're aware of it. They, they go hunting and they find these kids and they look at them. So there's some aspect of the pushing down. It's not just us pushing back up. But now what else have I learned? The communication piece, like if you're going to get active, it was Twitter. You have to be active on Twitter. Every, every kid has to have a Twitter account. You've got to be following these programs and putting out a presentation that's not being an idiot on Twitter, but actually using it as a tool to market yourself. That became clear. I guess Instagram, for that matter, as well, is a, is a big tool. Yeah, because there, there is regulations on how many hours coaches can contact kids. Yeah. But there's no regulation on how many hours coaches can watch Twitter and Instagram. Just saying. Yeah. Or the kids can reach out to the coaches on their end. Correct. They may not hear anything and, back. They and may they not be can, able to be heard They can communicate back. on there without it being <clears throat> official talk or call or whatever they classify it as. So that was that was very evident. And, um, you know, I think the other thing, too, I, I don't know if you guys are getting this sentiment, too, but I've, I've heard it more than once now out there. I guess maybe there's this idea of it's either D1 or we're done. Like, I'm not going to do it unless it's a D1 program, you know. And I, I keep getting wrapped around the axle a little bit with that because yeah obviously you want to go you want to go try and play in an alabama or, or whatever great you're a freak you can play at that level of power to you the stats i've got right here show that ain't going to happen but i tell you what will happen is if you can get to a college and get some of that cost which is ridiculous paid for by your athletics whether it's d1 d2 d3 naia go do it man my favorite moment watching the draft which i watched nfl draft every year <clears throat> all every pick it was the next to the last pick maybe three years ago, and the announcer said, you know, Mike Anderson from Mars Hill University, which that wasn't the guy's name, but he did go to Mars Hill University. Everyone else on the broadcast said, where in the heck is Mars Hill University? Yeah. But that football program knew where that was at because of him going to college, right? Right. Absolutely. You never know. You know, these sometimes, sometimes kids are late bloomers. They may be okay. They get to college. They're going to continue to grow and get bigger. Um one example of that is, uh, you know, Christ School just had a kid sign with Alabama, announced it on Friday, Caden Jones going to Alabama. Carson, do you remember, what did it say he weighed right now, 215 or something? I think he was 6'4", 205. 205. Yeah. And they said, Alabama said, well, he'll be, he'll be, or no, it was a pundit of some sort, he'll be 240 before his first game. If he's at the linebacker position, Two, he'll be at 240 to 250. Well, my argument with the D1 or, or no, whatever you said, great things for that guy going there. Awesome, he's going to be accepted Alabama. He's not going to play till a senior year. Right, exactly. Right? <coughs> if you go to App State, you're probably going to play as a freshman. And you're going to have four years of game film to, yep. send it, to put out there. I'm not going to take Carson's quote, but I do want him to say it. Devil's advocate. Okay, so yeah. – you guys going to, you know, your son gets an offer to go to Alabama, okay? Gets full-ride scholarship to go to Alabama. He doesn't go to Alabama and play year one. He's unhappy. Who? What schools in the country will take him in year two? Most of them, I'd say. Most of them. Yeah. So Mike Mike told me, he said, you know, I just, you know, I mean, I, I think that's amazing that he's, you know, got the opportunity, just even the opportunity to go to Alabama. But, you know, how cool would it be to go to NC State and be the guy? Yeah, so Mike, right. if, I Absolutely. Said, Absolutely. Mike, if he goes to Alabama and he's not the guy – and he doesn't play year one, or he doesn't think he's going to play year two, or this, he can go to NC State and be the guy. And that's just the truth of the transfer portal. That, that is still true. I would rather be freshman and be the guy for four years. But what this is, this is what he's doing. 
He's betting on himself. No, I, I agree. He is betting. That I is told true. Mike, I said he's betting on himself, and that makes me like him even more. Because for you to go to Alabama and for you to say, like, you know what, like, yes, that is the most competitive. You're right. The chances are that he's not. But guess what? The chances for him to have even got a scholarship for Alabama weren't high. How many besides Jeffrey He's getting Pagan, to walk in the door, right? He's getting to walk in and say, here I am. He's getting I, an I opportunity get I get to go play – to go compete against the best players in the country and then have a chance to play on Sundays. He wants to play on Sundays, and that is what was a priority to him. Right. But the numbers don't lie here, Carson. So this is this is data. There are one almost almost 1.1 million. It's 1,093,234 high school players in the United States. And You could have just said 2 million would have been all right. Or 1.1 million. It's a little less than 2, two million. But uh, 6.5% of those high school players, which is 71,060, will play at any level in college, mm-hmm. right? What percentage? 6.5% okay. of that 1 million, right? So that any level of college, that's whatever it is. So the drop-off then, if you look at the NFL, it's ridiculous. It's even less than that. You're looking at 1.2% of college-level players that get drafted to the NFL and that translates down to 853 players, which is 0.00075% that make the pros out of the original population of 1.1 million. So to your point about going to Alabama, that's the obviously creme de la creme. Glad he's going, but that's not a realistic opportunity for the overwhelming majority of athletes out of the state of North Carolina. Good for this kid, but correct. And I hey. don't think that was the question. I don't. I think the question wasn't that. You know, was it a? I think everybody knows that's a very, very small chance to go to Alabama. But I would also say that the if you had that chance, if you had if you had that opportunity, I mean, and you had a full ride, and say and we don't we have no idea what his relationship with Coach Saban was. We have no idea what money. I mean, I know that Michigan and NC State came and visited the day before at Christ School before he made his decision. And it's like, so in my opinion, with the money that could be thrown around now. All these other schools, I know Tennessee had some money in there on them. It's like, so he decided to go to a place that we're going to knock a kid to go to a place that would seem more challenging for him to contribute and play at because of the level they're at. I'm like, I I think that's a kid that um, that's something that I would want to buy stock in. I I think you've actually swayed me because I was very hard line, like maybe not go to Alabama. But you have swayed me that um, this dude is going in the door. And if it doesn't work out, first year transfer portal, who cares, right? I mean, he'll have any school in the country will want him year two. Right. Any school in the country. Guess what? Guess where Alabama, guess where Tennessee's middle linebacker, All American Henry Toa Toa went? Tennessee, guess Western where he Carolina? went? Carolina? No, he, no. Went, he went to Alabama. <laughs> and guess what? He had the opportunity to play at Alabama. And I would say, on you know, on the data analytics side of it, it's like, Yes, I do think it's a slim chance to play on Sundays. And obviously everybody knows that it's a slim chance to make a career out of it. Oh, yeah. But, you know, this this student athlete, his older brother went to Chapel Hill. He's in medical school. He is um, – his – I mean, education has been a priority for him. He's got outstanding, outstanding grades. And you're talking about Caden Jones? Caden Jones okay. from Christ School. So I would say, like, I don't think this kid's necessarily put all of his eggs in, in just – you know, playing on Sundays. But I would argue that because of the foundation that he's had since he was a child with his dad, Howard, and his stepdad being Dr. LaCroix, I mean, I, I think that he has had a very, very big foundation of education, hard work ethic, and this and that. And he's betting on himself. And I tell you, if, you know, if my son, if he gets the opportunity and he's like, no, dad, I, yeah, I, I could definitely go here and play. I can go to App State and play as a freshman. Or like, hey, I could go here. And it's like, Caden is not going to Alabama because he thinks he's not going to play. 
He's going to Alabama because he thinks he's going to play. And I think that's what's the difference between him and someone like someone that would say like, oh, let's just go to App to, you know, to be that guy. It's like he's going to Alabama because he is that guy. So I had a similar – you and I, I think, I agreed on this. Right. And when I told Carson that, he told me the same thing you just told you. And I was like, dang. It's he's hard, right. It's hard to argue that. He's right. It is hard to argue. God. And if, especially if he is really going with the mindset like, I'm going to whip whoever's butts in that position. I'm going to take that spot. That's awesome. Right. And, and he is a phenomenal football player. I watched a little tape on him. He's the, he's the kind of kid that can outrun angles. And if you can outrun angles – you're very uh, popular among football coaches. So, Pat, mentioning you know kids going places, any any local news about kids transitioning? Uh, I believe JoJo Akeem from Reynolds is oh, uh, see, yeah. going to Asheville School next year. Yeah, I, I didn't know where you were going. When with you that said transitioning, Pat was thinking about something else. I, yeah. yeah, I was lost. He's been deep in thought on that for a while. Agony. So Reynolds is losing another athlete to Asheville School. You know, that's Ricky Tolbert. That's Hazon Tobe. That's Jojo Akeem, and I think there's one more, and I apologize, I can't remember his name. But um, they have obviously made it a uh, a decision that they're going to go after Reynolds football players. Hey, whatever he needs to do for himself is power to him. I don't, you know, fault him for whatever he whatever he thinks is best is, is great for him. Absolutely, from what I understand, he's going to reclass Jojo, excellent athlete, phenomenal a little, athlete, yeah, little undersized. So I think they're hoping that extra year uh, going to help him get get a little bigger. He's what, five eight or five nine, uh, but very fast, very 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 fast. Can catch the ball, can run the ball out of the backfield. Um, and, and watching him in basketball, one of the best players around. Yeah, didn't seem to get the opportunity at the varsity level, but at JV level, phenomenal, right? Yeah, very good point guard. And and he's on the team that set the school record for the four by one hundred at Reynolds. So the the, the speed's there. So uh, hope, hopefully, you know he's going to go there and get some other opportunities. And I think what you know what Pat what Pat just said was, um, I think that a lot of people in the area and the community could have that sort of perspective where it's like if that is what that individual and that family thinks is what's best for him, then yeah. more power to you. And yeah. that is just this you know this young individual. I don't know him, but he will not be the first. He wasn't the first player that will leave, and he won't be the last player that will leave. I and will- it's all sports. Yeah. From my experience and people who's talked to me, and one of my friends said this to me, go where you're appreciated, not where you're tolerated. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. That's a real good point. Now, too, you know, on this journey with all of this stuff, you know, I, I kind of, you know, when you're to go back to this discussion about, you know, getting up to the higher levels of, of recruiting and whatnot, you know, I, I don't know that um, we have any delusions of grandeur in the poll household about what this looks like. Uh, there is no Sunday ball, I don't think, in Brendan's future. I mean, he's not a bad – he's a good ball player. He's 6'4", about 245 at offensive line, but he's going to have to eat a few people just to be able to get in the conversation. Well, at least uh, he has the opportunity here to log into the satellite TV from the private plane and watch Sunday football. Agony. 100%. Sunday football will be in his schedule for the rest. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But seriously, this is, goes back to the earlier part of the conversation. This is not something his mother and I are pushing on him at all. This has been his goal, right? This is something he has brought to us, that this is something he wants to go do, right? Good for him. And in that, great, great. Because, you know, I did play in college. I didn't care. If Brennan didn't want to play, whatever. And whatever, just go figure out a way to make a living and be a great member of society, have a family, do whatever you're going to do. I'm going to support you in whatever your endeavor is. So, anyway, going into that, we also set expectations. His goal is to go, and to Lewis's point, he wants to go play. You know, he doesn't want to go to a school and Absolutely. ride the bench for four years and play his fifth year. He wants to go play. 
power to them. That's what we're going to support. Yep. So my mentality with it going into this recruiting process is I'm going to throw as much spaghetti against the wall as I can and see what sticks. Absolutely. And then, and then Absolutely. he can go find, I think you all were talking about a second ago with the match of the grades because the kid that went to Alabama has this great grades, and he can go to whatever school he wants at the other side of it. There's also the piece of the fit. If it, if it works for the yes. fit of the kid and the academic piece, and if it's the culture the kid wants of the grade program, like if he wants to be an engineer, obviously NC State's a great program, right, Lewis? I mean, yep. you'd want to make sure you've got that fit if you know the NFL, the .00075 is not going to happen for you, right? So that's kind of how we've gone into it. And some of the things we've learned, every one of these schools out there has a recruiting questionnaire from D1 down to D3. And you should go in there and find the schools, the areas you want to target, and fill all these things out. And just, yeah. who cares? Fill them out. Get on their radar in some way, shape, or form. Get your huddle videos done. Edit them. Get those out. Send them out. Tweet Twitter like crazy. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of it on our end that we have to do. But at the end of the day, Brendan's going to make the decision. Whatever fits for him where on the field, whatever fits for him academically, and we're going to support him. And, and if, he, if he doesn't get a single offer... You guys are going to pay for college. He's going to walk on somewhere. Yeah. He's going to fulfill his dream, right? Yep. Yeah, he'll play D3 ball. He's got no – no good for him. Power. Absolutely. He'll play D3 and ball. If, Nothing wrong with that. If that's your dream, go for it. Yeah. Whatever the sacrifice is, go for it. it, it you know, I wanted to be an engineer my whole life. Hey, I made sacrifices. I worked two jobs. I still went to school at night. I did all this. Go go pursue your dream. That, I, I think Mike said it earlier. It's um, from football and – that if you if there's if you, it is your dream to go to the next level, there's a spot for you. And I can speak on that for baseball, in tenfold is even more so with baseball because now you got baseballs with baseball teams with inflated rosters where you've got athletic directors and you know Limestone or Lander University. They have JV programs now, which wasn't a thing when I was. But Erskine, they've got 97 players on their baseball team, and so it's one of those where if your dream is to go to that next level, there is a way, and it might cost you money. It might cost you. You know, it's certain things you might have to sacrifice it, but there are absolutely ways. And I think what Pat just said is getting your name out there as much as you possibly can. Go to camps. Go, go. You know, baseball. It's a big thing of go to camps because guess what? These, I, you know, they and there might be college. I haven't seen a ton of um, college coaches at high school sporting events until I went to Christ School when I saw the Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese there. I saw, in but when you have Caden and when you have the type of players that the other team had. And Christ School has that, I guess, you know, is, is normal for Christ School. That's not normal from what I've ever experienced. College baseball coaches don't come to high school games. They don't care about your high school stats. And that is just the, that is the truth of the matter of because they have no idea what our conference looks like. They have no idea what Owen's conference looks like. They have no idea if someone hits 440, is that just the coach giving him a bunch of hits? I mean, it's just nothing's regulated as far as high school stats. But it is still to the sense of, Every kid, and I want more kids in this area to have dreams and admirations towards what he, what Pat just said. My son will go play D3 ball. Everybody thought I was crazy that I went to App State, played 30 games at App State. Well, guess what? No one asked me how App State was at baseball. We won nine games. Nine and 41. Is that fun, Lewis? I mean, it could be. The after parties. It, the after parties. I mean, I mean, App State has some good parties. App State has some phenomenal parties. But it's it's good is, I would tell it you, is not nice losing. I would tell you that there's beer and – there's beer at every university that you could go to, and what? that's just that. That's I know it's a crazy college concept. Kids drink your they sell that nationwide. It's crazy. It is crazy that there's beer at most most college places, but you can you know make your dream your dream and make your place go want to contribute whatever that looks like.
Yeah, I agree. Go make it happen. Just do your thing. You know, it's uh, it's fun. Go ahead. So, talking about dreams, uh, Pat, our our next segment, vacation. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. You know, we I think we got a lot of feedback when we did this topic uh, or we did this podcast a few weeks ago where we were talking about um, you know grilling uh, options and whatnot. Um, uh, so we're we're going to kind of fall in line with that and um talk about where we want to go on va- or where our favorite places are to go on vacation i think that's probably an interesting topic so you know i'll throw it out there caden or uh, you know carson carson i where i got caden from carson uh, we were talking about caden jones earlier that's where it was Thank no, you. no kin to carson jones they're brothers no <laughs> where's your vacation spot man where are you going with the 11 year old or the 11 month old um the vacation spot with him it's uh, gonna be two places we've got amelia island florida which is where my mom's side of the family um we've got a lot of cousins and um you know family down there a couple of family members that's got beach houses and stuff so we're very lucky to have you know resources and stuff that we can stay at it's eight miles long there's no i think the tallest hotel is four stories and there's two of those on the island so it's not a um you know we get down there and we see other people on the beach and you know when we're down there they're like oh we've been found we've been found that you know everybody's coming here now but it's still very very um it doesn't it's not as costly as what we would say private but you have you know we always grew up throwing ball every football baseball tennis ball in the in the water you know and it was one of those that that was our that was our spot that we went to every summer and then um, Whitney's family they keep their camper down at Ocean Lakes in Myrtle Beach and so we also um, spend some time down there and I know that um, little man loves riding around in golf carts and stuff and I think we get both best of both worlds because we get places where um, Ocean Lakes is is one of those you get every walk of life you get every um, it is. Do you wear a bulletproof vest when you go into Myrtle Beach? We so when you go into Ocean Lakes, you go through that gate, and you can basically it is its own community. It I is its you. own. It's its own thing. And um, and I never was a camper. I never was an outdoor person. But when you go and when you see what type of money people have in RVs and how comfortable you can actually be, it it really is a eye opening experience as far as as far as that goes. Um, and so it is. One of those, you're not necessarily on the strip at the beach um, or anything like that, but it is something that I have very, you know, I, I've loved. The, I know you appreciate the fire disc, and you um, appreciate, oh, yeah. you know, Blackstones and camping out and stuff like that. It's, you know, it's having, you know, biscuit and gravy or breakfast burritos or anything along those lines of just cooking out and being able to sit in one of those chairs, your hydraulic chair that you have um, <laughs> that's got the rocking chair. The rocking yeah. chair. I mean, it's like, you come to appreciate little things. And so I, I would say those two places are going to be the spots for the Joneses for the, you know, foreseeable future. For Lewis, me, it's got to be, Mike, rather. for me, it's got to be Pensacola beach. I love that place. Uh, you, you stay at the, uh, at the hotel, at the uh, condo, you have the beach right out your front door and you have the sound right out the back door and you can walk to either one. And uh, the water's crystal clear blue. God, the sand is so white. The first time we went there and took Luke, he was a little fella. We walk out there, and he's like, Dad, I forgot my boots. I said, your boots? Why do you need your boots? <laughs> All this snow. <laughs> I said, uh, that's, that's sand. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's awesome. sand, my yeah. friend. Uh, but I love it. And the food, Peg Leg Pete's is my favorite place to eat in the entire world. But every place, there's five or six, seven, eight, nine places down there. Their food is just delicious, and I love eating there. Uh, of course, I love to eat, or I used to love to eat. Um 
So that, that for me, Pensacola Beach, there's no place like it. Yeah, right, you, Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, for me, I have two places. Uh, so last year, well, before that, my, my favorite place probably all time is the Outer Banks here. Uh, I was born in Jacksonville, Marine Base, all that, Camp Lejeune. We go down there, we rent a beach house that has a dock, we take the boat with us, and we bounce around fishing in the inlet, visiting the different islands, cooking, you know, putting crab pots out, having a low country bowl, doing all that stuff, great. Last year, my cousin got married out in Phoenix. We also love Phoenix now. We're going back this year. The hiking, all the outdoor stuff there, phenomenal. Great weather. And also, like, outside of Phoenix, like an hour, you can go. There's some redneck places. Like, uh, we went to this tavern place that had a rodeo that night. They had a live band. Very cool spots out there like that. Also, you, you go to, like, the mall out there. The mall is probably 10 times the size of any mall around here, and it's like a get-together place for the community. Love Phoenix. Pat? I, too, Lutz, am a big Outer Banks fan. I've gone there every year since 1977, so that's before all of you were ever born. I was on the Outer Banks doing that. I was one. Oh, were you one? Wow. So you were here. Okay. Anyway, we go. It's probably easier that you fly your no. private plane down there. Do you, I land, do not have do a you plane. land in the inlet? No, I don't. I don't have a plane. I, I drive a Subaru. Did you grow up with a private plane? No. Oh, That's a lie. Not. That's a lie. You've told Come us on, that story. Man. No. <laughs> My father owned a Cessna 182. It was not a jet. It sounds like a private plane to me. It does me too. It was his private plane. I did not own it. He did. Okay. Fi- go ahead and finish your story. All right. So the Outer Banks of North Carolina, we go to the Nags Head area and Cape Hatteras, that sort of area. And um, it's been phenomenal to take the kids there because the – uh, obviously, the beach is gorgeous. You, you brought up the point about the the boil and the sound and that sort of thing. All that's there as well. But the history is fantastic. You're talking about the Lost Colony was there at Manio. Yep. You've got Blackbeard the Pirate roamed right off of Ocracoke. That was his dwelling. It is the graveyard of the Atlantic. If you raised every ship that sunk off the Outer Banks of North Carolina, you could walk from Virginia to South Carolina and never touch the water. and You'd be two ships deep in some spots. And that's uh, the Diamond Shoals, the lighthouses, the land pirates of Nags Head. The wild horses down there. All those that washed up on the the wreck. The very first horse races in the Americas ever happened was on the Outer Banks. That was right there in Nags Head, Jockey's Ridge. Um, The ironclads that were used in the uh, first ironclad battle of the Civil War. The Merrimack, I believe, is the one that sunk there off of the Outer Banks that uh, had to retreat after, um, after the battle. Uh, that's there. Uh, just a, a phenomenal amount of history to go check out and see. Of course, the Wright brothers took off there at Kitty Hawk. Uh, Kill Devil Hills. You know the story of Kill Devil Hills? Why it's called that? Why is that? So Kill Devil Hills is a little community nestled between Kitty Hawk, where the Wright brothers took off, and Nags Head, which is the you know the big point where the the Jockey's Ridge is. That little community got that name because a schooner crashed there and was full of rum, and all the rum washed up on the beach there. And the locals saw how much rum had washed up on the beach, and it was enough rum to kill the devil. And so that became <laughs> the name of the name of the town, Kill Devil Hills. So there's a lot of stuff like that down there. So if you've never had the chance, check out the Outer Banks, especially if you live in North Carolina. It's your state. I've never been. Go. Never been. I do uh, real quick. Really? We have a question from a viewer that I failed to mention earlier. Oh no! Is it Saint Ange? So um, it, the question is for you, Pat. Agony. So the question is, Pat, 
Since you're on a podcast called Behind the Beard, yes. are you considering growing an actual beard instead of that patch of hair on your face? This is a gorgeous goatee wear. I've had this since 07. But it's not a beard. It is. Uh, I don't think it is. Carson, are you considering growing a beard? You know, I. Are you old enough to grow a beard? I wish that you would have given me a little bit more heads up um, as far as. But I understand that um, there's a lot of people that wanted to come on and be the guest. But I do wish that you would have given me a heads up so that I could have had a little bit more time to grow out whatever you call this on my face. That That's probably two weeks' worth. It's a month. But <laughs> it's a, a month. It's a it's month. Stubble. Yeah, it's a month. Yeah, I never ever. I've got gray hair in my the side of my head before I've <laughs> developed a beard, but that's just something that I'm battling personally through. No, well. is there like a support group or something for that? <laughs> Absolutely. I call this guy. His name's Mike Anderson at work. And I call him during the day, and he's just like Carson. You just got it. You know, it just it it's okay. It, it just it was not meant for you. And I'm like, you know what? And I've just got to find my lane and stay in it. And that's just uh, that's something that I'm battling with every day a couple other things we need to talk about real quick yeah uh our next podcast a couple weeks out we're gonna interview uh christ school coach chad walker head football coach chad walker gonna meet him over his place and uh talk to him hopefully uh looking forward to that i really am looking forward to that and letting everybody get to meet him our goal is to talk to some other coaches uh, i think we've mentioned on here we'd love to talk to uh, coach radford at Asheville high we'd like to talk to coach laws at reynolds and uh, Lewis, yeah, can, I'm going to try to talk to uh, Coach Gibson see if Coach he will Gibson. get on this show. With Sorry, us. his name failed me, Coach Gibson. Uh, we'd like to sit down and talk to those guys. Let them tell us about their program, what they got going on. Uh, really looking forward to talking to Coach Walker. He uh, immediately accepted. Uh, Fifteen minutes after my email, he replied, "I'd love to do it." So he's, I think he's looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it. Um, secondly, we need to thank. Uh, the Bandettes. Absolutely. We love using their song, uh, the intro song by the Bandettes. If you haven't listened to their new single, it's out, and it's fantastic. It is really good. So check it out, the Bandettes. They are a great group, super nice for letting us use their uh, their song. They post on Instagram all the time. You get to watch their journey. Great little group. I agree. Uh, we need to thank Carson Jones for coming on, being with us. Carson, thank you. It was great to meet you. Yeah, good times, man. Thank good you, banter. Guys. Thank you, thank you. It's been an honor, and I... I enjoyed your first two, uh, first two release, and I'm enjoying listening and supporting as you guys grow and um, and look back. And I'll say that I was one of the first uh, the first guests that you guys had on. That and aired. hopefully we get to have you back on. I'm I'm looking forward to Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Thank you guys. I will I will. I forgot to mention this earlier. Carson, his senior year of high school, he hit 418 with 41 RBIs. Ooh, yeah, that's okay. And eight homers. That'll do it. That's pretty good. That'll do it. Not bad for a, for a kid. Yeah, um, and I, that's exactly what I was as a kid. And I think yeah. that's all I have. I, I, I'm also, I mean, just thank you, Carson, for coming on. It was great to meet you. Uh, and that, I mean, I, th- I think we're good for the episode. Yeah, sounds good. So, hey, thanks, uh, Lewis Anderson, Carson, Mike, Pat Pole. Next time we'll tune up Behind the Beard WNC. Thanks. <laughs>